Hi, this is Adam, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us this way. Uh, it is Easter Sunday, so the sermon this morning is taken from John chapter 20, as well as Paul's first letter to the Corinthians chapter 15. And the message is quite simple. The miracle, the meaning, the matter. The word of Christ from the Gospel of John. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she went, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you'd carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that these things he had said to her. You may be seated. Amen. Please take your bulletins and stand with me as we read responsively. If anyone is devout and a lover of God, let him enjoy this beautiful and radiant festival. If anyone is a grateful servant, Let him rejoicing enter into the joy of his Lord. If anyone has wearied himself in fasting, let him now receive recompense. If anyone has labored from the first hour, let him today receive the just reward. If anyone has come at the third hour with thanksgiving, let him feast. If anyone has arrived at the sixth hour, let him have no misgivings, for he shall suffer no loss. If anyone has delayed until the ninth hour, let him draw near without hesitation. If anyone has arrived even at the eleventh hour, let him not fear on account of tardiness. For the master is gracious and receives the last even as the first. He gives rest to him that comes at the eleventh hour, just as to him who has labored from the first. He has mercy upon the last and cares for the first. To the one he gives and to the other he is gracious. He both honors the work and praises the intention. Enter All of you, therefore, into the joy of our Lord, and whether first or last, receive your reward. O rich and poor, one with another, 
Dance for joy. O you ascetics and you negligent, celebrate the day. You that have fasted and you that have disregarded the fast, rejoice today. The table is rich laden. Feast royally, all of you. The calf is fatted. Let no one go forth hungry. Let all partake of the feast of faith. Let all receive the riches of goodness. Let no one lament their poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn their transgressions, for pardon has dawned from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the Savior's death has set us free. He that was taken by death has annihilated it. He descended into Hades and took Hades captive. He embittered it when it tasted his flesh. And anticipating this, Isaiah exclaimed, Hades was embittered when it encountered thee in the lower regions. It was embittered, for it was abolished. It was embittered, for it was mocked. It was embittered, for it was purged. It was embittered, for it was despoiled. It was embittered, for it was bound in chains. It took a body and came upon God. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took what it saw, but crumbled before what it had not seen. O death, where is thy sting? O Hades, where is thy victory? Christ is risen, and you are overthrown. Christ is risen, and the demons are fallen. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life reigns. Christ is risen, and not one dead remains in a tomb. For Christ, being raised from the dead, has become the firstfruits of them that have slept. To Him be glory and might unto the ages of ages. Amen. I invite you to turn with me this morning to Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Chapter 15. The word of our Lord from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you, of course, believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, 
whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Just as we, as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for this great day of celebration, this holiest of all days, this day in which your Son Jesus triumphed over the grave. This day in which He raised us up with Himself. This day in which He justified us. This day in which He provided forgiveness of sins and new life in Himself. This day in which He cleansed us. Lord, we pray that You would help us to trust in Him, to trust completely in His redeeming work, so that we might receive the full benefits of His redemption. Lord, help us today, we pray. Help us to affirm the miracle. Help us to understand to some extent the meaning. And help us today to settle the matter in our own lives that Jesus is indeed Lord. We thank You so much, Father, for raising Your Son forgiving Him for us so that we might have life in Him. And we pray in His name. Amen. During Holy Week last year, you might have called it NPR, said Easter is, quote, the day celebrating the idea that Jesus did not die and go to hell or purgatory or anywhere at all, but rather arose into heaven. Folks, that's not Easter. Unfortunately, some Christians don't know any differently. 
We're confused as to what Easter is, what Easter means, what, what Easter is all about. We hear the word resurrection and we think, oh, that's a theological term. So we're talking about something that's theolog- some theological truism, some, some point of belief in which we can trust. But it's not something that really happened. Folks, if we miss Easter, Paul tells us we miss everything. Because if we miss Easter, we miss Jesus. In affirming the miracle, I, um, I'm always taken back by John Updike's poem, Seven Stanzas at Easter. And whether you'll indulge me or not, I'm going to read those seven stanzas because that's kind of my custom to do on Easter Sunday morning. So please bear with me. Make no mistake, if he rose at all, it was as his body. If the cell's disillusion did not reverse, the molecules re-knit, the amino acids rekindled, the church will fall. It was not as the flowers each soft spring recurrent. It was not as his spirit in the mouths and fuddled eyes of the eleven apostles. It was as his flesh, ours. The same hinged thumbs and toes, the same valved heart that pierced, died, withered, paused, and then regathered out of enduring might, new strength to enclose. Let us not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping transcendence, making of the event a parable. A sign painted on the, fr- the faded credulity of earlier ages. Let us walk through the door. The stone is rolled back, not paper mache, not a stone in a story, but the vast rock of materiality that in the slow grinding of time will eclipse for each of us the wide light of day. And if we'll have an angel at the tomb, make it a real angel, weighty with Max Planck's quanta, vivid with hair, opaque, in the dawn light, robed in real linen spun on a definite loom. Let us not seek to make it less monstrous for our own convenience, our own sense of beauty, less awakened in one unthinkable hour. We are embarrassed by the miracle and crushed by remonstrance. As Updike proclaimed, the church will fall if we do not affirm the real resurrection of Jesus. It is a miracle. It is something that doesn't happen every day. It's something that doesn't happen even every year. It's something that the church celebrates annually, but it's not something that happens again and again. It's a real thing that really took place. It's not symbolic or spiritualized. Jesus died a real death and was raised up to new life in a real resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus, what Easter is all about, it's not just about life after death either. It's not just about Jesus continuing on, that there's hope beyond the grave. It's really about life after life after death. Jesus' body came back up out of the tomb, glorified, never to die again. It was His real body, His physical, tangible body. The body into which He was incarnate. It was the same body. The disciples both recognized Him and failed to recognize Him. Mary, we read at the tomb, she supposed Him to be the gardener. Eyes filled with tears, 
not expecting that Jesus would have been raised because that was not something that any of the Jewish people believed. They thought that the resurrection was something that would happen at the end of human history. That God would be faithful to His people, would raise up our bodies, and would make us new. Renewing creation. But they did not expect that Jesus, the Messiah, would be killed and would be raised up. But He goes through death. He does not just deny death, He defeats it. And there's an important difference and distinction there. He does not just deny death. He defeats it. He goes through it. This is not about someone who's come back alive. Lazarus, just weeks before this event, had been brought back to life. But Lazarus lived to die again. His body is, of course, different. He can walk through walls. He can show up in rooms that had been locked. He seems to be able to travel without having to move his feet. And yet he has feet and he can move his feet. You'll remember he walked on the road to to Emmaus with the two disciples. They didn't recognize who he was until he got there and he broke bread with them. He's able to eat. He's able to cook. He says, do you have anything to eat? on Sunday evening of the resurrection. He ate honeycomb and broiled fish. He tells Thomas, look at my wounds. Here, touch my piercing. We must affirm the miracle. We must not shy away from it. We must not try to spiritualize it or or turn it into a symbol or a metaphor For our faith, we must affirm that Christ has indeed resurrected. It's not about His soul living on. That's not what Easter is about. Easter is not about what happens to the soul at death. Easter is what will happen to the body after death. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, we affirm. But there's coming a day because Jesus resurrected from the dead where God will cause all all bodies that have died and have begun decaying to rise up to new life. Because God is the great Creator and He is the one who spoke of His creation. It is good. And so He is the God, not just of creation, but also of new creation. Just as God was that great gardener in Eden back in Genesis, walking through the garden, Mary is outside the tomb and she's not quite wrong when she supposes Jesus to be the gardener because this is the great gardener. Come back to tend to His creation. Come back bringing redemption to even human physicality human flesh, human bodies. Easter is not like the recurring flowers, and yet it's it's somewhat like them in some ways. Every Easter, when Lindsay and I get a couple of the Easter lilies, we take them home and we leave them on the porch until they start looking pretty, pretty sad and droopy. 
Sometimes we'll give them to neighbors and whatnot, but those that we end up hanging on to that look really pitiful, we'll go and bury them into the ground. And you know, we've got like 20 Easter lilies. Bill, they're spreading. They're taking over. We've got a little flower bed up front, and they've, they're not as big and pretty as these, but you can see they're coming up out of the ground, and they're, they're getting ready to start forming some blossoms. These lilies genuinely die. They break down. They become one with the dirt. And next spring, they'll spring up out of the dirt and they will defeat death. But Jesus doesn't die and resurrect again and again. He did it once and for all time. He defeated death once and for all time. He went through death. Again, He did not deny it. He defeated it. And so if Easter doesn't take your breath away, if Easter doesn't leave you dumbfounded and speechless, then it ain't Easter that you're celebrating. Every uh, Holy Saturday, Lindsay does something with the kids. It's a bit of a family ritual. She gets a bunch of crescents or croissants, some unrolled up croissants so they're just crescent rolls waiting to be rolled I guess and she gets a little marshmallow and I don't know the whole recipe tosses them in sugar and cinnamon and that sort of thing because that little marshmallow is Jesus's body and she's wrapping it in the spices and she buries it in the tomb of that croissant and she bakes them and when they come out of the oven the kids break into them and you know what the marshmallow is not there the tomb is empty and last night was the first, the first time that Pippin has ever been kind of aware of what's going on. You know, he's bouncing off the walls and whatnot. And when he breaks open his croissant, he is amazed. I don't know how long he walked around the house trying to put, to put together and make sense of what had happened. He had no clue what happened to that marshmallow. He didn't notice all the caramel stuff floating around on the pan and that the croissant had become all gooey and whatnot. In his mind, he's trying to figure out what happened. And that's what ought to be happening in our minds each Easter as it approaches and as it passes us by or as we pass it by. Lord, what happened? It's a miracle. What does it all mean? Easter changes everything. It changes everything because the great changer of all things, the one who says, I will make all things new, has indeed made all things new in Easter morning. He has brought new creation on earth. He is the victor, is what Easter tells us. Because He has defeated death, He has defeated hell, He has defeated sin, and He is Lord. The resurrection of His body, Him coming out of the tomb, Him presenting the wounds of our redemption, vindicates His life and His death for us. And it tells us that He will raise us too. Every last one of us. The righteous and the unrighteous, because of the resurrection of Jesus, will be raised to new life, some to new and eternal life, some to eternal death. 
He is the victor, and He will raise us too. And the fact is that because He is Lord, He can raise our deadness of life even now. He can raise us to new life now. He offers us forgiveness of sins. He offers us rebirth. The whole thing, the whole gospel message, the whole kielbasa is wrapped up into what we proclaim on Easter Sunday. Paul to the Romans said, We believe in Him who who was raised from the dead, or who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Without the resurrection, the cross is reduced to nothing. Apart from Jesus' resurrection, none of Christianity matters at all, according to Paul. Without a real Easter, it's all just a meaningless waste. But, Paul says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that is, not just in your feelings, but in the core of your being, within the totality of your life, you believe that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. If He can give us new life now, He can also cleanse our hearts and our lives now. He is Lord and He can do all things. He is Lord and He is making all things new. Both that which is to come and in the life that is to come and also that which we have in our lives now. He can make all things new. He has redeemed and re-begun humanity in the resurrection. We are in Adam by nature, but we are in Christ by faith. We are in Adam by birth, but we are in Christ by new birth. In the resurrection of Jesus, God is beginning again. He is beginning a new creation. And we come into this life born in Adam, born in our sins, born in our trespasses, born estranged from God. But because Christ is Lord and because He has begun a new creation, because He has begun a new work and He has become a second Adam, Paul says, we can have new life in Him by faith if we will trust Him, if we will believe in the core of our being that God has done something new and is offering us new life in His Son Jesus, then we can settle the matter that is before us today. Because the resurrection all comes down to this. Is Jesus indeed Lord? He is Lord of all the cosmos. He is Lord of the universe. He is Lord of all creation. He is the Lord who makes all things new. He is the Lord of new creation. The matter to settle is, is He Lord of my life?
Is He Lord of my family? Is He Lord of all that I am and all that I have? Because if He is indeed Lord, then I am compelled to trust Him. And I am compelled to surrender completely to Him. Everything I am, everything I have, must be offered up to Him in trust. This day, please, please, do not shy away from the miracle. Do not try to minimize or rationalize what the church proclaims at Easter. Recognize that the church proclaims that the impossible has happened in Jesus. That what happened in Him is not an issue of nature and cycles, but what happened in Him is an issue of the supernatural breaking into this world. You can trust Him. You can trust Him with everything you are. And He can make all things new. Without Easter, without the resurrection of Jesus, without the proclamation and the assurance that Jesus Christ is indeed risen today, then all of our faith and all of our preaching and all of our beliefs and all that we do, it is all meaningless. But Christ has indeed been risen from the dead and He has become the first fruits. He has become the appetizer of what is to come. Because He was raised, we too will be raised. Trust Him. Trust Him with all of who you are. Trust Him with all of what you got in you. He is Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to You humbled perplexed, inspired, yes, and amazed at Your Son's triumph over death. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to trust Him. And through trusting Him to trust in You. Lord, we want to be completely Yours. We want to belong completely and utterly to You. Lord, would You raise up the death of our lives? Because we know that one day You'll raise up even this dying body. And You'll make it new. And so Lord, today we want to settle the matter of whether or not You will indeed be Lord over us or if we'll be Lord over ourselves. Lord, help us 
Help us to embrace the mystery and the miracle that is Easter. Help us not to miss it, for in missing it, we miss Jesus. Lord, help us not to miss Him. Help us to trust Him. Help us to follow Him. In His name we pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, Maker and Preserver of all things, who sent Your eternal Son to redeem all things, we love You. We worship You. We rejoice in Your Son's glorious name as we celebrate His triumph over the grave. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Hallelujah, death has been defeated. Hallelujah, Satan has been conquered. Hallelujah, sin has been atoned. This morning as we rejoice together in the triumphant name of Your Son Jesus, our victorious Lord, we celebrate Your presence with us through Your Holy Spirit. You have made a way for us to Yourself by making Your way to us in Your Son. The veil has been torn and You welcome us into Your holy presence, dwelling among us as we faithfully trust in Your Son's death and resurrection. Thank You, O Father, for refusing to leave us to ourselves. We love You. Jesus, in giving Yourself for us upon the cross, You have won our hearts. And in rising again on this glorious day of Your resurrection, You have raised us to new life. You have rescued us. You have saved us from our greatest of enemies. You have defeated sin, hell, and the grave. Thank You for redeeming us with Your precious blood. Holy Spirit, thank You for moving among us this morning as we celebrate our Lord's victory. Thank You for ministering to us as we together sing songs, lift prayers, declare triumph, and read Your Holy Word. We surrender ourselves to Your good work and ask that You would apply the full benefits of Christ's atonement to our hearts, our minds, and our wills. Together we raise our voices and shout for joy. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Hallelujah, Jesus is Lord. Lord, we pray that you would meet every need that we have among us. Lord, you know our burdens, you know our cares, you know those things for which we are concerned. Lord, you know especially those people for whom we are concerned. We lift up Billy to you and pray that you would help her to get well completely and quickly. We pray for the Hedgepeths and for the Johnsons as they travel. We pray that you would bless them and be with them. Lord, help Heather and Ryan to know that we miss them and love them. We pray that you would be with her grandfather and help him as he continues this battle with cancer. Lord, may today be a day of rejoicing together with him. Lord, we lift up Miss Davies and Miss Margie and Lord, we lift up Emily Smith as she's already celebrated Easter with her church there in Japan. We rejoice with her. Lord, we pray that you would be with those we love, that you would touch them and help them. Almighty God, who through your Son 
Jesus Christ overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. Grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of our Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of our sin by your life-giving spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, we pray. Amen. He is risen. risen May we all go in the blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the triumph of Jesus over the grave. Amen. Happy birthday, Thank Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please check out our website at faithmethodistchurch.org.